On today's podcast, from the North Wahala Church of God, Pastor Neil continues the study of the tabernacle, specifically the holy place. Today's message is from Wednesday, March 21st, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. You have your Bibles, would you stand with me please? While you're standing, one quick announcement, or I should say an, an announcement I need to make. Uh, Lacey Godwin would like to see all the ladies who signed up for church softball. If you are a lady, you signed up for church softball, she wants to meet you in the choir right after church. Also, I know Anthony mentioned this, but we're right in the middle of, we've got construction and repairs and just kind of cleaning up the sanctuary. We've planted seed in the grass and all kind of stuff going on. Your trees are being cut down. First phase of our next parking lot. And we're believing God. The second phase that God is just, somebody's gonna come in and write a check. How many know God can do that? Amen? Amen? This was donated. This part was free. And uh, we're getting it all cleaned up. It's gonna be nice. I know there's mud out there on the highway. Bear with us. We've got stuff hanging from the ceiling. This is for our M, uh, MVPs uh, members right here. So you can get a look at the pastor looking down. So if you want to know, uh, we're right in the middle of construction. We didn't think we have this up tonight, uh, but this is part of that. We're opening up the middle, maybe put some lights to highlight the cross up here, water baptism. We can see our people on the screen as well. So good things are happening, amen? Uh, the nursery, where's Miss Brittany? I saw, wave at me, Brittany Gosnell and her husband, Chris. Uh, if you go in the nursery, um, um, it's closed tonight because they got a little more, but it's been a fresh paint all around on it, so it's going to look good for our babies and our toddlers. They do an outstanding job um, watching our babies. Sometimes they have 12, 14, 15 in there. It makes you just want to volunteer for the nursery, doesn't it? Amen. Well, Miss Brittany, you do an awesome job. Can we give her a hand tonight? Amen. <coughs> Amen. Great day Sunday, great Sunday morning, great business meeting, a lot of wisdom that was offered there. Pastor Russell did a great job Sunday night. If you're struggling with why the rich prosper, you need to get Pastor Russell's uh, sermon Sunday night. Jose, he did an outstanding job, didn't he? It was a great, great message. Honestly, it was just a great day Sunday, and we're marching forward to Easter, and we're asking God, looking forward to many, many souls being saved. Psalms 27 tonight, if you have that, we'll pick up in verse 1. The tabernacle. We're marching from east to west. We've come through the gate. We went by the altar, the brazen altar. We went by the laver. And now we get to the holy place. Not the most holy place yet, but we get to the holy place. There's three pieces of furniture in the holy place. And we're going to talk about one of those tonight. I may let you out just a little early. We'll see how time goes. Uh, I know it's cold. Uh, I saw about five flurries outside, and I thought we were going to shut Oconee down about 5.30, amen? Kids are going crazy. Uh, so anyway, also too, let me just add this. Uh, we need volunteers. We need volunteers uh, from the simple things that seem simple that are not simple. Like, just to be honest, upstairs on Wednesday and Sunday morning, we need somebody not to police, but kind of watch of our kids as they're coming to class. Because how many of you know if you don't have somebody in the hall and you let 38-year-olds walk up and down the hall. Let me tell you what I saw. I was in an MIP meeting right before church, counseling meeting right before church, and I walk out and I saw one girl holding another girl up by her ankles. Just shaking her, nothing wrong with that. She's just shaking her, it's okay. And I thought, God, we need some more volunteers. Amen, amen. I'm not gonna tell you whose kids that were, but if you see Roy Jones, it was one of his kids, amen. <laughs> 
Psalms 27. Would you put that up there, please, before I get in trouble? Verse 1. Oh, I got to look behind here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord, the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Verse 2. When the wicked came against me to eat of my flesh. Watch the psalmist now. My enemies and foes. There's a progression of the enemy. First, it's talking about wicked people. My foes, they come to eat of my flesh, but they stumbled and fell. Though an army, wicked, foes, army, may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. But it progresses further, three phases here. Though war, it went from wicked people to war just like that. How many of you know that's what the enemy does? He goes from wickedness to spiritual warfare in your life just like that. You didn't see it even coming. It was a simple thing. It was a simple conflict. It was a simple struggle. It was a simple uh, addiction. And now you got spiritual warfare. The war may rise against me. In this will I be confident. I love this about the psalmist. One thing that I desire the Lord... That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, his tabernacle. Two things. He says, when these things happen to me, I want to go to the tabernacle. I want to go to church. But not just going to church, there's a second phase. He says, then I want to get in God's presence. See, there's a difference in just coming to church and getting in the presence of the Lord. Tonight, I want for the Wednesday night crowd who's out on a 36 degree night, I don't want to just condition us to come to church. Church is not enough. Amen? It's just a building. But I want to be like the older saints in here tonight. I want to be like the older saints who knew if I can just get into the presence of Almighty God, it may be in the sanctuary or it may be in my prayer closet. But if I can get in God's presence, it's going to be all right. Can somebody say amen tonight? Amen. You may be seated, the holy place. The 12 tribes, three on each side, all around the tabernacle in the middle of the desert. You and I have walked through the gate. We see the gate at the bottom of our screen. We're moving east to west. We're progressing forward. This is a, a foreshadowing of what would come in the New Testament. This is the picture of our Lord and Savior. It's the picture of our worship, the picture of the church. We come through the gate, the gate that is multifaceted in color. It's beautiful. It catches our attention. It's just like Jesus Christ when the Spirit of God convicted you. Uh, you saw something beautiful in our Lord and you said, I want to be saved. We go past that gate, but going in the gate's not enough. He's the door. But once we get to the door, there's got to be repentance. Well, the first thing we see is not the, the worship part. The first thing we see is repentance. It is the brazen altar. It's not the only sacrifice, but it's the first sacrifice. That sacrifice there is for the atonement, redemption. That's what we see being there, the animal that's put there, tied to the horns of the altar where it cannot move. Let me throw this out at you as well. Not only can the animal not move, and you and I can debate a little bit there because some will say the animal is still alive. Some theologians say he's already dead. We can debate a little bit. But the horns, you see those four horns that are coming off the altar? Think about this. The judgment of God reaches to and fro. The judgment of God goes out because the Bible says that those that sin shall surely what? 
die. What this sacrifice does is tied to the horns. Horns represent judgment. Not only can the sacrifice not move, but the sacrifice holds the judgment of God. That's good by itself. What it means is that the sacrifice is letting God know you need not run after Neil Nolan. My blood is sufficient. I will forgive him. You don't have to pursue him now for what he did 40 years ago or, or 30 years ago, I should say. Why? Because the sacrifice of our Lord, it atones for all of our sin. Can somebody say amen? amen. We bypassed the altar. Now we have the laver right there in the middle. It's a reflective. It's like a mirror. It talks about sanctification. It speaks of discipleship. It references us. It's this word right here. It's applied. When we look at it, we can really see how we look. There's no pretend there. Brother Ronnie, there's no pretend. This word will show you right where you're at in your life. You can fake it to the preacher. You can fake it with your spouse. But this word, it'll show you your heart. It'll show you your struggles. It'll show you your addictions. It will show you your attitude. It will show you what you lack and what you're not doing. It'll also show you what you're doing right. It'll show you the holiness of God and the sanctifying power of God. Listen to me. We got a church today that wants to run right into worship and they don't want to go by the altar. They don't want to go by the labor. But before you can go into the holy place, you've got to go through one gate. There is no other gate. The only gate is Jesus Christ. There is no other door in the tabernacle. Just one door. But once you go through that door, then you go by the place of repentance. Once you go by the place of repentance, then you look in the word and you see just how you really are. Listen, see, when I was lost, Anthony, I was arrogant. I was a very proudful, pride, full of pride. Everything was about me. But when I went through the gate and I went by Calvary and when I looked in the word of God, I realized I am nothing. I have nothing. There's nothing in me good. But what's in me good now is Jesus Christ, the son of God, who's made me clean in God's eyes. Can somebody say amen tonight? Now we're at the holy place. Notice there, it almost looks like the same gate. Brother Wade, there's a difference. This gate is smaller. As you get closer to the Lord, it's not wide as the gate. It's narrow as the gate. The Bible says, few there be that find it. Amen? The gates get narrow, but once we get there, now we're at the holy place. The holy place and the most holy together is 45 long, 15 foot wide. But tonight, just the holy place, holy place, excuse me, is 30 foot long and 15 foot wide. It's set there on the desert stone, or the foundation, I should say, is on the desert floor. Here is where heaven touches earth. There are 48 boards there, a cubit and a half wide, 10 cubits high that make up the walls. These boards stand on the silver foundations called sockets. They are secured into the desert floor. This was paid different though. I'm gonna highlight this. This was not a free will offering like we mentioned before with everything else. This part right here was given uh, by those 20 years and older with atonement money. Rich and poor, it did not matter. They all contributed. Why? Because this foreshadows later on that redemption is not for one sect of people. It's not for one age, one color, or one social status. But redemption is for all. So in the Old Testament, all must give. There is nothing out of place 
in the tabernacle. Not one thread, not one socket, not one curtain, nothing is out of place. As they give for this, this structure of the holy place, this represents the foundation and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in the New Testament church. Paul would say it this way in 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that, that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ the Lord. God's church exists in the earth because of redemptive grace. The Holy Spirit dwells on this corrupt earth. Why? Because it's insulated, insulated by the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Now let's go in. I've described the outside. Now listen, I don't want to bog us down here. I was going to tell you about how every board and what it weighed, but I want to go in tonight. So let's, let's bypass that and let's go into the holy place. Inside the holy place, I want you to notice the outside doesn't look like much. See, saints tonight, when people ride by this church, right now we're doing a lot of work. I'm upset about our grass. We can't get our grass to come up right now because of the cold weather every time we plant something. See, when you look at the outside of the church, it doesn't look like much. You say, but pastor, we got a beautiful church. You know, you're missing my point. It's still just a building. Oh, I love it. I want to take care of it. I think it's the prettiest church in South Carolina. But the outside is not what the church is about. It's on the inside. It's just like you and I tonight. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. On the outside, I may not be the best looking man at North Walhalla Church of God. I'm not the ugliest, but I may not be the best looking. You hear me tonight? Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. I was about to call somebody out in here. But anyway, you got my point. But it's what's happening on the inside. The outside besides the, the curtain that opens the door there, it doesn't look like much. But once you get on the inside, something happens. Remember now you're moving from east to west. And as we move in now westward, as we go making our way to the presence of the Lord, you will find the golden table set, fresh bread to the right side as you enter. There to your right is the golden table set before you. Immediately before you tonight, in front of you is a beautiful veil, that tapestry there. Also would be the golden altar that's there, giving off the smell like no other smell before you. Also glistening on the walls of the golden lampstand, which would stand to the south. Also remember, east, west, north, south. To the south there, there's a golden lampstand. In the middle there, that lampstand, it's been hammered and hammered and hammered and fashioned for a reason. There is oil sitting upon bowls and upon those bowls, the priest will light that oil and it will not only give off a smell, but it will light up the holy place. Are you listening tonight? These flames will dance on both sides of the holy place. It would rise out of this golden omen fruit that it was made of. The walls would be overlaid in pure gold, would be on either side, north and south. This is this right here is the candlestick. North and south reflecting this dancing light from the candlestick. Let's go back one more now into the, the, the holy place. The walls not only appear gold laden, but the colors I want you to notice inside the holy place. The tapestry above there and behind the door there is, is blue and royal purple and scarlet. The fabric is fine linen and there before you stands the veil. Upon the tapestry there's cherubims there and they face us as we go into worship. Up above you is 3D almost. It's so thick that it looks like the angels are 3D there. It reminds us that we are never alone when we go into worship with Almighty God. 
I want you to hear me tonight. You're making your way in the presence of the Lord. As you walk in this holy place, I want to remind you, you are never alone when you worship Almighty God. I believe when somebody goes to worship, the Bible said God inhabits the praises of his people. That's why you're tired tonight. That's why you're weary. That's why some didn't come because it's cold. Some people look for an excuse to stay home, but they don't realize when you and I go to worship, when we go to our prayer closet, we come in our prayer closet and we go in tired and weary and the, the world's beating against us. Something happens in worship. We start singing a song of praise. That song of sorrows taken off and then we start singing a song of praise. We start singing like how great is our God and something happens in our worship. Then you realize I came in here by myself. Who is that that I hear? Is it Aiden down a hall saying why is daddy praying? Mama why is daddy speaking that foreign language? Is it Ashton's little feet that's running by my place of prayer in our side room saying mama what's daddy doing I can hear the little voices I hear my wife then start singing pastor God when I'm not alone there's more than myself when I go to worship God but it's not just the natural that I hear but then it's the supernatural it feels like somebody else is walking there but there's nobody else around I thought it was me by myself I look around there's nobody is that smoke is that glory is it light is it angels is it cherubims is it the Holy Ghost I don't know, Pastor Wayne, but when I go into the presence of the Lord, something happens, something happens, something happens when I get in God's presence. God shows up. That's why we need to worship and praise God. That's why you've been fighting with your spouse. That's why you got fired. That's why the enemy's against you because he's trying to steal your worship. Something happens when we worship God. That's what he's signifying here. We're not even in the most holy place yet. But you notice we started out with everybody, 12 tribes all around us. Then we got to the gate, then to the altar with the priest, then to the labor by myself, now in the holy place. People begin to fade as closer you get to God. Come on, somebody. I had a lot of friends when I started out. But I preach some things on Sunday morning that make other people leave and find churches. But I can't compromise. Now, I'm not talking about personal convictions. I'm talking about word. Can't compromise. They love me. They love Pastor Neil. They love him. They love Pastor Scotty. They love pastors in the past. They love them, Brother Parker, Smith, whoever came before. They love them, but let them preach the word. They love them until they start preaching the righteous word. They love Jensen Franklin until he starts preaching something that they don't like and your friends will leave you outside the tabernacle. Everybody's your friend. But the closer you get to God, the road gets narrower, the door gets narrower, and your friends leave you. Notice there, our five senses come alive. Everything in your body is coming alive now. This is not just church. This is not just rituals. This is not performance-driven worship. This is God that you're beginning to feel and sense. Everything, your sight sees gold and glitter and color, faces of angel, exquisite beauty of the lampstand, the table of showbread, and the golden altar, which are the three pieces of furniture in the holy place. The smell, think about the incense that fills the air, the fresh bread. Somebody say amen. Amen, that should incite somebody. We were at Ray and Ruby's recently. You could just walk in their house and smell the butter beans. 
Okay, I'm, I know that's not spiritual, but it's, it's spiritual. Amen? <laughs> Jessica calls them lima beans, but where I'm from, we call them butter beans. Something changes. My senses are coming aware that something is going on. Not only my sight and my smell, but my taste. When I walk in the holy place, my taste buds come alive at the thinking of the perspective meal that I might have from the table of showbread with Almighty God. That smell of fresh bread, that aroma of the sacrifices coming off the altar of beef or lamb, it's got me thinking that my taste buds are now coming alive. It's not just my taste buds, but the sounds that I hear. I hear the presence of God. Somebody's walking. I feel something different. I hear the shouts. I hear the praise. I hear what's going on beyond, beyond the veil. My ears are anticipating. Everything about my body is coming alive. I hear the priests walking around and the bells on the bottom of their garments, they're, they're, they're shaking. They're making noise. It's noise of excitement. It's noise of joy. The priests will have these bells around their garment. Everything is coming alive. And then my last sense touch if I can just touch the hem of his garment as I make my way in, I I know the lady said that I can be made whole. The tragic part is in the Old Testament, you couldn't go and I couldn't go. Only the priests could go. Only the priests could go in there hidden from everyone. Only the privileged priests who were allowed to keep progressing forward. Only a priest or Levi could see the beauty of the Lord. The good news is tonight, you and I are a kingdom of priests. Hello? You don't have to have a high priest that's made of flesh because you already have a high priest that has been accepted by Almighty God. You don't have to pay. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. You don't have to find somebody to go for you. He's already gone for you and the sacrifice has been accepted today. You give God praise tonight, amen? Now let's go back to Psalms 27. The reason I, I'm, I chose this, I've been reading Doug Small's book on the tabernacle. I told you a lot of my studies came. I, I love Brother Small's book on this. And he mentions in Psalms 27, it's the first scripture that I ever memorized was Psalms 27 when I was a young evangelist. Let's go back there. Go to verse four, please. Why is this so important tonight? Because when the psalmist was in trouble, how many of you know tonight that troubles have a way of getting people in God's house. Amen? Now, let me show you, let me bring this to you. There's no, when I say this, don't get mad. Let somebody's child, let me, let me push it further. I know people who lived in sin, but they get pregnant. Something changes. They no longer want to live in sin because they realize there's a life inside of me. A lot of our, our, our people that are in leadership, that's what happened. Come to God's house, felt like they were in trouble. Come to God's house or came to God's house, gave their heart to the Lord. God forgave them. They married somebody. And the next thing you know, you're in church leadership. You say, Pastor, does, does that happen? All the time. Somebody loses their job, comes to God's house. I need a job, Pastor. See, trouble has a way of bringing people into the presence of the Lord. That's what the psalmist is doing right here. He's in trouble. He has wicked people, foes, an army, and then an all-out war against him. Sickness, cancer gets in somebody's body. They've been out of church for 30 years. Now they have cancer, they come back to church. Now we don't condemn them to hell. We're glad they came back. 
Now, I would rather them come back because we sing good. Maybe Sister Romel would see our elders' ministry, seniors' ministry, maybe our kids. We would rather them come in a good reason, but we still want them to come. Their marriage is in trouble. They need marital counseling. They need the church there, so they come. That's what's happening in Psalms 27. Trouble has a way of people calling upon a higher power. But we know there's only one higher power tonight. That's Jehovah God. So in Psalms 27, when this happens, there are two things that he says. He says, I have wicked people, foes, an army, and and now all-out war against me. So I've got to do two things. I want to inquire about the temple, tabernacle, and I want to see God. Pastor Wade, I want to see his beauty, and I want to see who he is. These are two levels of relationship with religious people. And I say religious people because it it determines if you're religious or relational. Religious people only want to see the church. Relational people want to see the beauty of the Lord. Pull that picture back up if you would. Religious people, they can't pay the light bill. They're good people, Anthony. Can't pay the light bill. They come to North Walhalla. We help people out all the time. We, have, we assist people. We fed the baseball team today. We help people all the time. But if they're only religious, they want to see the church. Okay? So we pay their light bill. They want no part of the discipleship. We can change it through scripture where they won't need us again. We can teach them how to be faithful, a constituent of the Lord, a saved, sanctified, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. We can help them with their budget. We can show them that as they grow in God, they want less in the world. But if they're not relational, they don't want that. They only want a handout. They want a quick fix. But here's the problem with that. Jonathan, two months later, you know what they're going to need? Help again. See, those people, the churches are full of those type of people. Those are the people who only want quick fixes, but not a long-term relationship. The psalmist desires both. He starts out saying, I've got to go back to church. I've got to go to the place. I've got to inquire. And I know this is symbolic, but it still referenced the New Testament church. He says, I'm going to inquire of the church, but also I want to see the beauty of the Lord. These two are not the same Brother Nolan, I'm going to come back to church. I'm going to come, well, that's good. I, I spoke to a guy yesterday who loves his church. He told me, he said, Pastor, I, I invited him to church. He said, North Walhalla is my church. I hadn't seen him in a year. But it is mine. He'll tell you, that's my church. I love Pastor Neil. I love Pastor Scotty. I love everybody there. But he hasn't been here. She hasn't been here. But this is their church. See, church to them is a part of their southern culture and their southern religion. It's a part of who they are. And when trouble comes, they will come back to church. But see, that's not the level of worship. That's the level of worship out there. Can I tell you, we have sinful people, non-Christians, people of other religions that will come to us when they need assistance. No difference. No difference. One seems like he belongs to us or she belongs to us. The other one knows in their mind they don't, but they know we're good people, so they will come in the same manner. People use church all the time. Pastor, what's wrong with that? Well, in the natural, 
It doesn't hurt us. We're doing a good deed. We're going the extra mile. We're going to the stake. If they ask you to go one mile, go two. We got to the stake and we said we're believers, we're Christians, we're full of the Holy Ghost. We know you're taking advantage of us, but we'll go the second mile in hopes that we might win you. You're not hurting us, but you never advance in the tabernacle. Because see, you're not, you're not the priest of the Old Testament, but you are a priest in the New Testament. You are a kingdom of priests and you can move forward, but you never move forward because you have been taught to be good Baptists and good Presbyterians and good Pentecostals. We have taught people all about our denominational uh, rhetoric, but we've not taught them to move past man's attempt to God and go into the presence of Almighty God. Amen. I was in a meeting recently when a Baptist minister stood up. I was, I was so amazed that he said this. He said, I taught people for 40 years to be good Baptists. It's a good thing. I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking him. I'm praising him. He said, but if I had it do over, you know what he said in front of all these preachers? He said, I would not have taught them to be good Baptists. He said, I would have taught them to be good Christians. Right. He's not the only one. Every denomination should say that. I couldn't believe the man of God said that. It amazed me. That's the difference there. See, the church can't save you. What we see is the American church can't save you. It's changing by the moment. It changes constantly. It changes, it changes, it changes. It can't save us. But see, if you're looking for God and you want to encounter with God, if you want to move deeper in the presence of God, there's a place that you can go in God that your enemies cannot find you. Oh, you're not listening tonight. You're worried about the cold weather. Trouble will take us to the tabernacle, but this is a place where worship and war comes together. I'm in a battle, God. Then God says, come battle with me. Oh, he fights for you, saints. He doesn't let you fight by yourself. You're in a battle tonight. You need wisdom. You need direction. You need clarity. You need power. You need a job. You need your child saved. God's not saying stay out there in a religious system. God said, come unto me, all ye that are weak and heaven laden, and I'll give you rest. That's the God that we serve tonight. These intensifying problems go back to this wicked foes army. I said three, you could say four, and now he's in all-out war. This is a formidable foe that is attacking the psalmist. But he says this, he says, my heart doesn't fear. This mob is now a well-fashioned, well-suited, well-armed army, but yet the psalmist says, I do not fear. Why? He said, in this will I be confident. One thing that I sought after, one thing I desire, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. Not just to inquire, but I want to see his beauty. Saints, tonight I'm trying to let somebody know he longs for you to be in his presence. This tabernacle is designed piece by piece, nothing out of place, because one day it's a foreshadowing of the New Testament covenant because God has made every way for you to be in his presence. When Eve sinned, when Adam sinned, I should say, when Adam sinned, God said, the soul that sinned shall surely die. God went to work so you would not have to be isolated from Almighty God. And we come in church late sometimes. I'm not talking about from work. I'm not talking about you on Wednesday night. I'm talking about people in their mind, their motives who don't care. You know the ones. 
Some treat North Wahala as if it's my church. I'll come when I want to. It doesn't matter. We do all that. And God is saying, I've made every step available to you because I desire for you to be with me, to be in the presence of Almighty God. Watch this. The inquiry level is where most church people are at. They inquire. They seek pastoral wisdom. They seek guidance from pastor, but they don't want to move past that into the presence of Almighty God. Listen to me now. Brother Murphy, there's a place that you can go in God that the enemy cannot go, that God locks him out. It is so powerful, Pastor Smith, that not only that they cannot go, but if the enemy has spies in your house, God says to you, just pray. And Jason, when you pray, if you will pray in the Spirit, I feel him tonight. If you will pray in the Spirit, he says, then I'll start praying through you. And I'll pray with groanings that cannot even be uttered. I'll speak things through you back to myself and I'll confuse the enemy because they won't know what I'm talking about. When you don't know what to pray, let the Spirit of God pray through you and the Holy Ghost can do more in 30 seconds of prayer than we can do in a lifetime. But we've been so busy. We just want to inquire about the Lord. We just want to go to church. We just want to go to church and that's it. And I'm telling you, there's a place in God that the wicked, the army, and the mob cannot go if we would just seek the presence of Almighty God. Can you give God praise if you believe that tonight? All right, the last thing, I've got eight minutes. I want to show you this. I've got to get past this. The first piece of furniture is the lampstand. Nikki, don't look at me like that. She knew I wasn't going to let you guys out early. This is the lampstand. Three on one side, three on the other. The central beam or shaft here, most feel like is a representation of the centrality of our Savior and the centrality of the gospel. This lampstand sits in the holy place on the south side, east, west. We're moving in, okay, to the north and the south. It has been beaten or hammered into shape. It has been fashioned. It's designed like an almond tree trunk with six branches. You see the six? Three on this side, three on that side, and the middle being the centrality there. The purpose was to provide light in the holy place. It gives light before the Lord, meaning the central shaft is Christ, and we are the branches. As Adam, excuse me, as Eve was taken from Adam, we are now taken from the Lord. We are part of him. We are in him, and he is in us. Now that light that he is and has in us, we're now light in a dark world, illuminating that world and letting all these shooters and bombers and rapists and liars and thieves and adulterers know I've been with him. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. No, no, we've been trying to make them good Church of God members. We've been trying to make them good Baptists, good Presbyterians. We've been trying to let everybody know that our church is the best church. We're better than anybody else because of who we are and because we're from Cleveland, Tennessee. We're better than the Assembly of God because we walk more holy than the Assembly of God. And the Assembly of God says they're better than somebody else because they have more churches out west. And, and the Baptist says we got, we're the best because we have more money. And the Presbyterian says we're the best because I don't know why they say that, but I guess they do say that. You understand what I'm saying? And while we've been, get, been, been comparing each other to each other, which the Bible says is unwise, Satan has been stealing our young people 
and they don't have godly men and godly women in the homes. And instead of having men to influence them and grandfathers, listen to me, you older saints tonight, they're young people. When there's not a man in the house, a godly man in a person's life, these young men, they're doing all kinds of things. And what they need is one godly man to stand up, one 70-year-old, one 80-year-old, one 50-year-old that will stand up and say, you might not have a daddy, but you've got a spiritual father. That's all it needs. That's what the lampstand is all about. Watch this. This lampstand, real quickly, it, it stands there. At the top is what we call the bowls. These bowls, and they look like fruit. You see the stems coming up, okay? You see the stems that are coming up there. Inside the bowls are deposited pure olive oil. Let me read it to you as the scripture says. Beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. So we have the fruit and we have the fire. The olive that is beaten for the oil that is lit so the fire can burn the oil. Fashion as the almond branches. Can somebody say amen tonight? This is symbolic why. These are symbols of the Holy Spirit. Now you see it lit. These are symbols of the Holy Spirit and the ministry in the life of the church. Fruit represents the character of Christ responded by the work of the Holy Spirit. Somebody cut you off. You are a sanctified Holy Ghost believer. So instead of you cussing at them in the flesh, you respond in the spirit with restraint. See, that's the fruit of the Christ-like work that now gives light in a dark world, letting them know, why didn't they do something? Why didn't they holler at me? Why? Because we've been alone with God. Let's press it. The fruit represents the character of Christ reproduced by the Spirit. Fire represents the supernatural gifts of the Spirit manifested in the church. Fire comes from fruit, not fruit from fire. Listen to me. Fire comes from fruit. Christ-like work of the Gospels reproduced in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. But fire cannot burn where the fruit is not present. The Holy Ghost is not burning on people. I know I'm about to make somebody mad, probably through CD, but the fire is not burning on those that live ungodly. See, we've got a new theology today that says, I can do what I want to in my flesh. If I want to have an affair, it doesn't matter because I've been sealed by the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is in me, so I can have an affair. I can get drunk. I can do drugs. I can cheat on my wife, and it doesn't matter because I've been sealed, and I can speak in tongues as well. No. Am I holding what it please that tonight? I guess so. I thought I was at North Warhalla. I went to the wrong church. No, the fruit must be there. How do we do this? We press it. The way that this thing burns is this. Not only is the fruit and the fire there, but every day the priest would come in and trim the wicks back. If not, the wicks, the ash would be there and the desert flies would come in and their wings would catch fire and the flies would fall in the oil and that aroma that is supposed to entice us to worship would not be there. It would be staunch or stinky because it had been polluted. See, the anointing is pure. The anointing will never stink. The anointing on Brother Nolan will never lift up Brother Nolan. The anointing on a man of God would never allow that man of God to pillage 
the treasury of the church. I've seen preachers get up and take themselves up an offering for a needy family and then tell me in class, you know who that needy family was? It was mine. I just didn't tell the people. That's not the anointing. That's witchcraft. I should have saved this for Sunday morning. It's the truth. That's not the anointing. The anointing is not on singers to make them beautiful like it's an American Idol. You know how we have singers that they model the moves and they model the note and they model. That's not the anointing. Give me a woman who just stands right here. Give me a man who stands right here and says, I don't know how it looks. I didn't prepare my look. But let me tell you what God put in my heart. He put a song of praise in my heart. I've been through the fire, but I know this. He is faithful. He's a faithful God and he shows up right on time. Two minutes, listen. The priests would trim the lamps. If the wicks were not trimmed, they would give place to things. The flies would come in. Do you know that Beelzebub means the Lord of flies? When we don't trim the wicks and remove the ashes, we give place to the Lord of flies. We must get up every morning as a sacrifice of praise and trim back the dead things in our life and ask God, is there anything in me unclean? Brother Nola, but I'm saved. You may be saved, but you've not been completely perfected yet. And this world has a way of trying to mold you to be what you are not. Lastly, this lampstand also represents not only the fire from the fruit. Symbols there. It also represents Jesus and the 12. When Jesus in the gospels had the 12, he hammered them with the Beatitudes. He hammered them when they said, let me go bury the dead. He says, no, no, let the dead bury the dead. He hammered them in John 4. He hammered them to mold them to be what the church or the religious system was not at that time, to make them different. He hammered them, he hammered them to caress them, to mold them to a place that fruit was there. Then after the resurrection, he sent them to the Pentecost, to a place called the upper room. There the fruit was there, but there was no fire. Then the Bible said he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Where there's fruit, then where there is fire, it's gonna burn bright and set the church apart and ablaze for the glory of God. That's why Simon Peter said, I don't know him. And he cussed that he ever met him. But out of the day of Pentecost, he stood up and said, these men are not drunk as ye suppose. See, this but the third hour of the day. He was afraid of his own life. But at the end of his life, when he was burning bright for God, he told them, the history tells us, don't even crucify me like him. Turn me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. That's the difference. When the fruit is there and the fire is there, it sets the church apart and we let them know no matter what they've done, you're welcome at North Wahala. And if you'll just come, not to my church, but come with me past the gate, past the altar, 
Pastor Laver, come with me. Come. I, I know you don't understand tongues. And Pastor Wade, I know they don't understand the moving of the Spirit to, in totality. They were in a ballroom last night. But just, just come. Jonathan, come, come a little bit farther with me. See, some people, they like church and they want it quiet. But I'm, no, no, come with me a little bit farther. And, and Jacob, if we could just get them into the presence of the Lord. First time I went to the church of God, I went because I wanted to date a young lady. She told me not to come because she was afraid that those grannies with buns on their head would start speaking in tongues and she was afraid that I would leave. First time I was ever in the Church of God service, oh, they did speak in tongues. I can see Sister Hodges right now with Bobby Pins flying. I see Sister Pierce behind me, her gray hair set up on a high bun, Bobby Pins just a flying. My mind then went away from the young lady. Now I realized I was finally in the presence of Almighty God. Let it burn. You're past the gate. Now you're in the holy place. Not, not the whole, most holy place, but the holy place. And it's different. Would you stand with me tonight? High five your neighbor and say it's been good to be in God's house. Amen, or shake their hand, amen. Fist bump. I love you. I'm honored to be your pastor. You're good people, you're a good church. Sunday morning, we continue our series. No man has spoke like this man. Be back with us, we're marching towards Easter. We have a lot going on in the church right now, a lot of work being done. Bear with us as we continue to progress forward. God bless you, you're free to go. Remember ladies, play softball in the choir, thank you.